Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Um, I can attest to the video that it is true that if you want your kids to be quiet, all you have to do is sing or dance. I like to sing and dance in the car, and my kids like get in the floorboard. They get out of their seatbelts and duck in the floorboard. So if you ever wanted to be quiet, that's a great way. Um, yesterday, there was a ladies' tea here at the church. We had over 50 women come, and it was a blast. If you were here, raise your hand. Wow, look at that. And somebody wore their hat today. I don't even know if she's in here, and she may kill me, but where's Kim Hyslop? Is she in here yet? Man, she's not in here. But if you see Kim Hyslop, check her hat out. I think Suzanne Jones made it, and it's awesome. Oh, you got yours? Put it on, Sandra. Woo, beautiful. Awesome. Very good. Well, it was a great time of fellowship, and um, we're, the retreat for women is over, but we will have a couple events during the summer, I believe, and so you'll want to watch the bulletin for the next um, time that we have a women's fellowship event because they're really fun. So we won't make you wear a hat this next time. Um, teen camp is coming up July 18th through the 21st. You can go to southtexasnaz.org to register. And Children's Camp is coming up June 30th through July 4th, and we have some camp forms out there on the table for that. So um, the rate on the Children's Camp goes up May 30th, so you'll want to get your kids registered before that. We're so glad you're here today. Let's continue to worship. And, and last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. You had my brother when you were 18 years old. Three years later, I came out. We were stacked, the odds were stacked against us. Single parent with two boys by the time you were 21 years old. Everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other. Because we, that's what we, we thought we made it. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. And you wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street. You put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. You the real MVP. Will you pray with me? We're going to pray a special prayer for moms today. I uh, also didn't, I failed to mention earlier that Pastor Matt is with Melanie today. They are at the beach somewhere soaking in um, the sun, hopefully, and just um, reflecting. 
and praying about what uh, God wants and would have for this church. So let's also keep Pastor Matt in our prayers. Um, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for my mom. I thank you, God, that um, she was always there for me. God, that she was the one that I went to no matter what. Uh, what it was, whether I was upset or whether I was happy, she was always the first person that I wanted to talk to. And so, God, I thank you for um, her and for the way that she raised me. And, God, I know I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I know that she did the very best that she could do. And, God, right now, in front of you and in front of all these people, God, I just want to ask for her salvation, God. Lord, I think she knows she knows you. But I don't think she does. And God, I pray that you would wrap her arms, or I pray that you would wrap your arms around her even right now as we pray. And God, for all of those moms that are represented in this room, God, I pray that if they don't know you, God, they would come to know you. That is the greatest gift that they could ever get is the salvation, God, is a, is a relationship with you. And so, God, right now we pray that for those moms that don't have it. God, I, I pray for the moms in here that whose wombs you've closed, or not you've closed, but that are closed, God, who haven't been able to have children yet. God, I pray that you would wrap your arms of comfort and of love and of peace around those moms to be, God, that you would fill their emptiness with your Holy Spirit, that you would hang on to them, that you would give them your peace. God, I pray for those moms in here that have lost children, God, would you just wrap your arms of love around them, God? Would you just fill them with your Holy Spirit? God, would you help them rejoice in the fact that they will one day get to see those babies? God, I thank you for um, the moms in here that have been godly influences on their kids, the ones that have instilled who you are to them. God, we, we thank you for... Um, the single moms, God, the ones that um, have taken on single, single parenting, God, would you be the other half? Would you be the provider? Would you wrap those moms in your love and in your grace and in your mercy? God, would you be with the, with the parents whose, um, whose kids are going to get soccer scholarships and whose kids will never run? Would you be with the moms that are hurting today because they have broken relationship with their kids? God, would you restore those relationships? God, I know, I know that you have a new hope and a new grace and a new mercy coming for moms. And I just pray that you would help us to do what it is that you put us here to do, God. And that is to love our children and to love you so that they could see it. God, would you bless them today? Would you keep them today? Would you go from this place with them today? For all of those who are aunts that don't have their own, but that have invested in the lives of others, for those that have youth workers or children's workers, God, would you bless them today, God? Lord, we love you. 
when we lift up all of the women in this room and ask that you would put your blessing, your peace, and your hope in them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. How y'all doing? Happy Mother's Day. Wow. Thank you. I like this response. Happy Mother... Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I have had the privilege of hearing my wife preach uh, on different occasions, but I've never shared the stage with her, so... Um, I'm not as long-winded. Yeah. Well, what did you say? If, if we triangulate, <laughs> stop us. If we start to get into it and pull you in, don't let us do that. Uh, we've been talking the last uh, two weeks. Uh, we began the Sunday after Easter with new faith talking about God wants to give a new faith to us, um, to see things differently. And then last week, Pastor Michelle spoke about a new love and how if we really saw ourselves the way God sees us, it would change us. And today we're going to be talking about a new hope. There is hope because of the cross and resurrection of our Savior. Amen? And we're going to be talking about what it looks like to have this new hope this side of the grave. And so, now, the, the thing is, a lot of times you will balance something you're talking about with what it is not. And so to talk about hope, a lot of times we need to, we might need to talk about hopelessness or what it feels to not have hope. Um, and that can get heavy, so I thought we'd start off with something Maybe, maybe a little lighter. Um, we have, have you seen those pictures, those motivational pictures? Successories. Yes. Successories. Well, there's a, there's a website I love called despair.com, and they have demotivators, and I have a couple of them for you that I thought might work. Defeat. For every winner, there are dozens of losers. Odds are you're one of them. <laughs> Destiny. Even, in the most, even the most ambitious little pebble will never grow up to be a big rock. Um, failure, when your best just isn't good enough. Can you feel the hopelessness in some of these? Uh, losing, if at first you don't succeed, failure may be your style. This is from The Princess Bride. Hopelessness, don't even think about trying to escape. And then I have one more. I, th I think I have one more. This is in honor of Pastor Matt. Um, since 1908, the Cubs have been coping with hopelessness. Always having hope in April, always losing hope by April 7th or 8th. Um, and we won't get into the Astros or anything like that because they're going to make it this year, aren't they? We have hope? Yeah, we have hope. Uh, we may revisit this in July, but right now we have hope, yeah? All right. <laughs> I don't understand sports references. <laughs> Sorry. So we've all seen the commercials. We have all sat on our couch and seen when the commercials come on to warn you about the signs of depression, listing the symptoms. So there's irritability, uncontrollable emotions. I think this fits me a lot of times. Um, loss of interest in things that you were normally interested about, and feelings of hopelessness. Hopelessness. 
Now, if you look that up in the dictionary, it paints a pretty dark picture. And in fact, when I Googled the word, I couldn't believe some of the things that came up um, on the internet, just could not believe some of the pain and suffering that people experience in our world. But this is how the dictionary defines hopelessness. Having no expectation of good or success, despairing, not susceptible to remedy or cure, incapable of redemption or improvement. A friend of mine, um, Rick Underwood, he's a former colleague of mine, he just got his PhD in clinical counseling, and so I thought he had some time on his hands since he was done with school. And I said, Rick, so it makes sense to me that if hopelessness is a symptom of depression, then hope would be part of the solution or the cure. And how he responded to me changed how I looked at this whole topic. He said, Jen, hopelessness is the disease. Depression isn't the disease. Hopelessness is. It's the people who feel absolutely no hope. Those are the ones that we lose. So it it reminded me that, man, this is a really, really big issue for us in the church and, um, and as Christians. Honestly, though, I mean, who, who can blame us? Who can blame us for those feelings sometimes? I mean, we turn on the news, right? Just this week, some of the things happening in the world are absolutely horrific. And so we, we lose hope that there could be a better day. We struggle with uh, dysfunction in our families. Uh, we, we hate our jobs, um, and we go every single day. There's this sense of, will it ever get better? And so what's interesting is that in our text today, um, in Acts 1, this is kind of where, where we're meeting the apostles at this point. You've seen them, and they are... They have just experienced the highs and the lows, or more um, accurately, the lows and the highs, because they had just experienced the crucifixion of the one that they were following, the crucifixion of the one that they thought had all the hope in him. And then, just a few days later, he was raised from the dead, and their hope was born again. Their hope was new. But then we find them in Acts 1, and let me read this to you. Hear the word of the Lord. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know right now. 
But you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud where they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Is that funny to you? I kind of giggled when I read that. He's saying, all right, I'm going to give you this power. You're going to receive this power. See ya. What do we do now? What now? And um, so you can imagine they were just asking him, Lord, is it time? It's pretty messed up around here. Things are not good. Things are bad. We're not in a good situation here. When are you going to come and step in and do something about this? And then he was taken up into heaven before their eyes. Now what? It's called food deserts. That's the term they give it. And uh, you'll find it in any major city. It's, it's those inner areas where poverty flourishes. It, it's those areas where there's price gouging at the corner market because the owner knows you're most likely going to go and buy their expired milk for three times the price than wait for a bus, take the bus, 10 minutes to Kroger, get your supplies. And you know how it is when we want to carry all the bags from the car home. And so we've got all the plastic bags and, you know, we're going from the car and trying to get into the house. Could you imagine having to wait for the bus and then take the bus all the while holding all your groceries? You're most likely not going to do that. And so they're called food deserts because the store owners in that area, they've got you right where they want you. You're in a hopeless situation with very little chance of getting out of it, and they know it. So the options are unhealthy or bad food because they can't afford fresh food, and they're left with this feeling of hopelessness. And, and you sit there and think, Lord, it's, it's pretty bad right now. When are you going to fix this? In Ethiopia, there is a primitive tribe um, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but I think it's Hamar. Very primitive. And they have very barbaric superstitions. Um, I think that we, we have a, a video. Um, this, is a, this is a child. His name is, um, let me see if I've got it right. It is Wandu Lala. Wandu Lala. Um, and he's just an example of one of the children from this tribe. What happens in this tribe is their firstborn son, if his teeth, if his top teeth start coming in before his bottom teeth, they view that as a curse. And so they kill the child um, by whatever means are necessary. Um, with, we watched a video about, about this tribe, and, and really it's they throw them to the animals or they leave them so they'll starve. Um, so this is Wandulala, and this child, um, this child is one of those children. And so you wonder how many more are like him. Lord, it's pretty bad out there. You're going to step in and fix this? In Swaziland, there's a community, it's a small area, 12,000 people. It's completely brown. I think we have a clip of it. Nothing growing there because their only source of water is a dried up well. 
no animals, no livestock, no, um, no produce to go from the ground. Be- they're barely surviving because they don't have clean water. They feel broken. They feel hopeless. And, and you sit there and you say, Lord, it's pretty bad out here. When are you going to fix this? And then just this week, the world has been captivated with the hundreds of young girls who were kidnapped from their school and taken to be sold. Um, We have no idea what will happen to these young girls um, if they're not found. Most likely, um, they will be trafficked, sold as uh, slaves, um, sex slaves, and um, live lives of absolute uh, despair. Human trafficking, I kind of hate that it's called trafficking because I think that people don't really understand the, the barbaric uh, nature of it. It truly is slavery, and, and we're starting to see that. We're starting to understand really what trafficking means, and it's a worldwide problem. In fact, I picked up this book this week. It's not a Christian book. It's written by a couple of journalists who have traveled the world, and it's called Half the Sky, and there's a PBS documentary on it. But you can get about 10 pages into the book, and it is unbelievable what happens to these young girls around the world. And this is, a, this is just a picture of other countries, but we all know. We all know what happens here in the United States uh, and Houston. Houston is a major, major hub for human trafficking um, and, and children, children being sold into slavery here in the United States. Um, it's, it's something that I can't truly wrap my head around when I know that down the street from our neighborhood in Copperfield, a nice community, that there have been stings at some of the, the brothels, they call them, um, that we drove past on a daily basis young girls being sold into slavery. Lord, it's it's bad out there. It's bad. When are you going to fix this? We're not careful to get into this paralyzed state of hopelessness. God, there are so many issues. There are so many problems. It's overwhelming. And we see in Acts 1 that The early church may have felt the same way when they were huddled together, uh, waiting for the Spirit, wondering what was going to happen. Uh, And then we come to Acts 2. All of a sudden, there's a turn. There's a twist in the story. It's that moment when you think it can't get any worse, and all of a sudden, something happens, and hope is born. Hear the word of the Lord, Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at that time, 
there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So you have, you have these disciples. They're in one accord. They're together. They're united. They're, they're, they're doing what they should be doing. They're loving each other. They're taking care of each other. But they're in this room, scared, waiting. We're not sure what. But they're just in this room. And then the Spirit comes. And with the Spirit comes boldness. And with the Spirit comes power. And all of a sudden, these apostles that were hiding in the upper room waiting on something are all of a sudden transformed and they can't help themselves. And they go out on the streets and they start proclaiming the good news and Peter delivers one of the greatest messages of hope. Listen to this. He's, he's quoting from the prophet, Isaiah, uh, prophet Joel when he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they'll prophesy. And I will cause wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and cloud and smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Peter speaks, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says 3,000 people are saved. Now, this is 3,000 people who, if you'll remember, just 40 days ago, Jesus is being crucified for proclaiming the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, 3,000 people in Jerusalem, 40 days later, are saying, I am willing to do whatever it takes to have that kind of hope. I want this Jesus that you're speaking about. Isn't that amazing? And so thousands are being converted. And the church is continuing to be the church, but now they're not doing it in secret in the upper room. Now they're pushing out. They're advancing the kingdom. They're changing their environment for the kingdom of God. Skipping down to verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money for those, with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, but before the ascension, the disciples are saying, God, when are you gonna when are you gonna set up your kingdom? When is this gonna happen? When are you gonna send this? And he says, No, 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 no. He says, You will receive power, and you will go and make disciples. He's saying, my work here is finished, but the Spirit 
The power of the Holy Spirit is coming and you are being commissioned to do greater things. See, when the Spirit comes, it burns away all that had been brought with it and it brings something new. It unleashes the work of Christ, which is the church. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of a quote by Bill Hybels, who is a pastor up in Chicago. He says, we are the agents of reconciliation. There is no plan B. Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar, and, and he spends most of his time working in the, the prophets, so the Old Testament prophets. And what's interesting is that there is a theme that runs through all of his writings, and almost every title of every book that he has, hope, is in that, wor- is in that title. Uh, and it's interesting because he's speaking from this place of exile, of, of loss, and of pain, and yet hope is this central theme. But what's interesting is that he didn't go back when he was asked a question about hope. He didn't go back to the prophets. He started to speak about the Holy Spirit. And he said, the Spirit is God's force of newness. The Spirit keeps opening possibilities. And if you watch him in this interview, he does this. He says, he says it, just keeps doing, it just keeps doing this. It just keeps opening up possibilities. The Spirit helps us keep imagining futures that God intends to bring among us. I love that. I love that. When God's Spirit came, a new hope began. The apostles went to work. The Spirit was so at work in them that they couldn't not act. They said, because we have such a hope, until we see a better day, we will see a better day. We will imagine a future that God intends to bring among us, and we will help others see it too. So in the face of certain death, 3,000 were saved in one day because hope is contagious. They began to imagine a future that God intends to bring among all of us. You see, where the Spirit is, there is hope. There is imagination for what can be, and there is action. So yes, it is a new hope, but more accurately, hope brings something brand new. Love that. Hope brings something brand new. So, so what might it look like? I talked about these, these um, food deserts. We've got a friend named Jason. He's actually, um, he's actually in Tennessee, and we've got a couple pictures. <laughs> he's, he's partnered with Treveca University to create this Treveca Urban Farming. And, and what he does is he decided, you know what? The problem is food deserts. If I'm going to make a change, I need to be the change. So he moved his family to one of the inner cities in Nashville, and he bought an apartment building. This apartment building, the police say, was the number one place for drugs and prostitution in Nashville. And they bought it and they redeemed it, and they restored it. And now it's a halfway house. There are four or five families living there, and they have space for people that are getting out of programs that need a new start. They're teaching children how to grow vegetables, some vegetables that they've never even seen before. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Growing up, it's like, hey, this is a carrot. A what? A carrot. <laughs> he, 
they are, they are creating something new. Because see, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is hope. There's imagination for what can be, and there's action. Hmm. I love this story. So, uh, Wandu Lala um, happened to be adopted by our friends Matt and Carrie. You see, they were um, feeling the Spirit lead them to help children throughout the world. <laughs> and, uh, and they found William. In fact, the video that we showed earlier was the first time that they saw him. They, they saw that video of him and, and him laughing. And, and what's so interesting is this beautiful smile. I love this kid. This beautiful smile is what was condemning him to death, basically. And it has been redeemed. It has been renewed. It has given new life. This is the kind of imagination that happens when the spirit is at work you see where the spirit of the lord is there is hope and there is imagination and there is action so in, so in swaziland we, the nazarene church took a mission trip and there was a guy there his name was fred and he said i'm gonna go take a look at that well and he came back a few minutes later and he said i don't know this but i just believe there's water down there i'm gonna think of something he went back, just an engineer going on a mission trip. You would think, I'm just going to go and do whatever. No, God had bigger plans. And so he went home and he created a solar-powered pump. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, for $25,000, we could create this and put it in this place in Swaziland and bring change. The church said, let's do it. They did it. And you see where once was death, dryness, nothingness, life has sprung up. It was so amazing. The Coca-Cola Foundation heard about it and they said, we want to buy this. This is too, this is too important. So they donated $1 million to build these all across Africa. Amen? It, it all happened because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is always hope. There is always imagination for what can be, and there is always action. And so my friend Rondi was so overwhelmed with the need of women being sold, of this sex slavery problem, of the trafficking problem throughout the world. It was so overwhelming to her. But she knew that God was at work in her life and that she was being called to do something she didn't know what it was exactly, but she felt called to do something, and so she just said yes. She said, the one thing that I can do, the one thing, I can't take care of the whole problem, but the one thing that I can do is that I can tell the story, and I can rally my community. And so she has, and so their church has started raising money for a home for women who are coming out of the trafficking world that will give them a new hope, that will give them a new life. And they're partnering with an organization called Magdalene House. And, and it reminds me of, of the Lavender House that's, that's here, but the Magdalene House is helping women who are coming off of the streets, whether it be prostitution or trafficking, drug abuse, whatever it may be, they are bringing them in, giving them a place to live, giving them 
health insurance, getting them healthy, and giving them a job. And so we want to show you a video because I want this to awaken your imagination. I want the Spirit of God to be so at work in your life that you can see something that, oh my goodness, I never would have dreamed that God could work something like, work in something like this. And so this is um, a video about Thistle Farms, and this is a branch of Magdalene. My name is Becca Stevens, and 15 years ago I started a residency program for women coming off the streets called Magdalene. My feeling is that nobody gets to the streets by themselves, and so it's impossible that they're going to come off the streets by themselves. And so everything we offer the women that come into Magdalene and to Thistle Farms is a gift. I mean, you don't sign contracts, you don't pay money, it's just a gift. So a woman comes into Magdalene, she works on addiction issues, on post-traumatic stress, mental health, physical health issues, and then it's time for her to go look for work. And if she has 100, 150 arrests on her record, some felonies, if she went to the streets when she was, you know, 15 or 16 years old, she has no work history, it's really hard for her to find work. So 10 years ago, we started Thistle Farms. It was a company that was started in a little A-frame chapel. There were four of us, and we started making candles and body bombs. We have 35 employees, women who are um, residents and graduates of the Magdalene program. They run every department of the company. It's a beautiful, beautiful idea. So you're learning all this training, you're learning about all that, but also then your hands are in all these healing oils all day long. I started researching what the thistle really was and read that the extracts of that have been used for about a thousand years to restore and detoxify the liver. 30% of the women that we serve are hepatitis C positive. You know, all the damage from alcohol and drug abuse directly affects the liver, which means that kind of by chance, we named a company and started harvesting thistle and having our hands you know, picking it and dipping it in water and letting it run all over us and breathing in the down. We picked the one flower or weed that the women who were coming off the streets absolutely needed for healing. It's perfect. <laughs> My name is Becca Stevens, and 15 years... That's the same video. Isn't God creative? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is hope, there is imagination, and there is action. See, God's all about making all things new. And with the work of the Spirit in our lives, we're called to partner with God to imagine things differently. See, the, the Spirit of God living within us creates a situation where we cannot not act. We are the agents of reconciliation. There really is no plan B. Jesus said it himself in Acts 1. It is our mission mm -hmm. to seek and save the lost. It is our mission to bring hope into the world, which means we need to start seeing the world through his eyes. But when we do see the world through his eyes, there's always possibilities and hope, even when things seem impossible. You know, Rondi said the needs are so overwhelming. It's so easy to be paralyzed. I think we all can attest to that and feel that same way. And so she prayed, God, help me see. Just help me see the one thing that I can do. 
She said, and I said, yes. And I just keep saying yes. And he continues to overwhelm me with his imagination. See, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is hope. And there is imagination. And there is action. It really starts with just saying the simple word, yes. Yes. And all of a sudden, possibilities open up. It makes me think of uh, when we were at a church in Kansas, there were, there were a group of guys, and they said, well, we don't have any real spiritual gifts. We're just guys. <laughs> we just like to work on cars with our sons. Very uh, Tim Allen-ish. <laughs> but they started noticing these hurting single parents in the church. And so they decided they would buy beat-up cars, and they would fix them up with their son giving them father-son time, and then they would give them to needy single parents. Now, that is a better sermon than I could ever preach. That is a better song than I could ever sing. That is hope in action. Mm -hmm. And it happened just because some guys said, what gifts have God given me, has God given me and what is the need around me? And God, how can we merge them? And how can we advance your kingdom? See, they had passion, they saw a need, and then they asked God, what do you want us to do? And then they started to see things differently. And all of a sudden, hope was born. I'm gonna ask the band to make their way up, and I wanna give you guys time to respond. We're almost out of time. If you could stick with me just a little longer. I wonder what God's spirit is laying on your heart today. I, I wonder what it is that hurts God's heart that also hurts yours. I don't know, maybe it's you, you, you hurt when you see single parents. Maybe it's Maybe it's you hurt when you see these stories about these children that just need a loving family. Um, we've got a church in Brentwood. In the last five years, they have adopted more than a dozen kids. They've said, if we are called to help the orphans, we might as well adopt them. And so they are becoming an adoptive church. That's what they do. I don't know what your passions are. I don't know what all of your giftings are, but God does. And so I want to take just a minute. The band is just going to softly play. I want you to really think about, God, if I were to open my eyes, what hurts your heart right now? And what can I do to begin to bring hope and healing in that situation? So in your bulletin, You've got space, and I'm gonna actually ask you to do something. I don't want you just to think about it. I want you to do something. I wanna give you time to pray. The band's gonna play through a song. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's I worry about our teens or the children in this church or the poverty that's all around us, literally in our backyard. Maybe it's injustice that's happening. 
I'm not sure what God is laying on your heart, but I believe that he's laying something on your heart. And all I want you to do is write your name and what passion of God, what hurt of God is he laying on your heart? I want you to write your name and just that word or two. And I invite you to bring them up to our prayer boxes. And then all I want you to do for the next 30 days is pray. I don't want you to jump in and volunteer for something. I don't want you to begin the process of doing something. I want you to pray. Because chances are, our God is so creative in the way he does ministry, he will blow your mind away with the solution if you will just wait on it. So I want you to pray. I want you to commit to 30 days of God, I'm feeling this. I know this grieves your heart and I don't know how I play a part in it, but God, I want to know how I can become an agent of hope and restoration. And in about a month, we're gonna make contact. I don't know if it's gonna be through email or if we do another sermon or something. Once we see that hope is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit, and once you've had 30 days to imagine, God, how could things be different? How could life look differently in this situation if you used me? After hope and after imagination, comes action because we are called to be God's agents of reconciliation. So the band's just going to play for another minute or two. I'm going to stop talking. I want to give you time and I want you to write down your name and what hurts God's heart that hurts yours too. And we'll give you time to bring him up and then in a minute the band will play us out. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith would be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead 
when oceans arise, my soul will rest in your embrace. I am yours. You are mine. Praise God for his hope. Would you stand with me? Let me give you a benediction, and I'm going to ask maybe the band if you'll just keep playing that while we have people praying. We're going to do something a little differently today. And Andrew, we may need to funnel them over this way. Mothers, we thought we would stay, save you one step and bring your kids to you. So the little ones are still in the nursery, but... The elementary kids are going to be coming in, and we're going to have them over here because there are people praying. If you would, gather your kids, and if you would be respectful of those that are praying and seeking God right now. But let me leave you with a benediction. May the God of all peace and grace encourage you and give you the power to say yes. Say yes to the hope that we have through the Holy Spirit. Say yes to a new imagination to do greater things than we could ever fathom and say yes to live lives of action for the kingdom of God. Go in peace to love God and serve others.